Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Hey, hey, church, listen, when it comes to what we would call TV crime dramas, you guys know about that. One of the longest running programs is called Law and Order, Law and Order, and it's been on since 1990, and my assumption is that all of us has probably seen at least one episode. As a matter of fact, when I say Law and Order, you're thinking, dun, 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 dun. We've heard that, and you go, well, some of you might hear, well, Pastor, I, I haven't, and that's okay. That's okay. Because, listen, when it comes to law and order, okay, when it comes to law and order, the first half of the show, here's what happens. Detectives, okay, what they do is they're sent out to investigate a crime that was committed, okay? This happens, calls 911, they go in here, here, this is more than just a routine traffic stop. We need to go investigate a crime, and that's what they do in the show. And so what they do is they gather evidence, they make an assessment, okay, okay, we think this is the guy who did it, we got some tips, here we go. And they go out and they arrest the bad guy or bad guys, okay, they arrest them. Okay, that's the first part of the show. Now, that can take anywhere from 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. Now, the second part of the show is what they do is they come in and they say, okay, so it's law and order. Well, the order part is the court part, the trial. Okay, you've been accused, you're guilty or you're innocent or you're innocent, not guilty, whatever it might be. It says basically what happens is that is that they'll go and it shifts to the trial of the accused. That's how they get us, okay, the court system of the day. And you go, well, what happens on the second part? Well, lawyers, what they do is they get together and they start presenting their case. I'm going to make this a case. This is what we found. This is, he's innocent. No, he's guilty. And there are times, guys, when the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, it's cut and dry, overwhelming evidence. And then there's other times when they seem to be scrambling just to bring anything to the court. They're like, we don't have anything. Some cases, if you'll notice on the TV show, it's, it's simple. Black and white. Boom. Case closed. The guy's guilty. He did it. Smoking gun, if you know what I'm talking about. And yet, there are others where you're going, huh, I'm not sure if he did it. They're more challenging. They're more complicated. And then you see them enter a plea bargain or the accused is found guilty in sentence. Now, stay with me. You go, why? Because the last part of the show, guys, is set in a courtroom setting to determine whether they're guilty or they're innocent. Guilty or innocent. And you go, what does that mean? Well, sometimes the guilty goes free. Sometimes smoking gun, boom, guilty, and and somehow it's a mistrial and they go free. And you go, well, give me an example. Well, let me give you a text example. That would be Barabbas. You guys remember Barabbas? Barabbas was guilty, okay, and uh, he, was, he was a rebel, he was a gang member, he was a murderer, and he was guilty, and he gets off free. Another example is sometimes the innocent are what? The innocent are convicted. You go, well, like what? Well, like Jesus. Jesus was innocent. Jesus, think about what he did. What, what's his crime? His crime, he went around and he healed people. He ran around and he fed people and he loved on people and he brought people back to life. And the, the religious establishment of the day was like, Mm-mm, hate it, hate it, he's guilty. And so they actually found him guilty. They found him guilty. Now, you might be here this morning going, Ben, 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 I got a question. What does the TV show Law and Order, dun, 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 what does that have to do? What does that have to do with the Bible? I'm not sure I understand. Well, I believe it illustrates what's going on in chapter 18. 
You go, you do? Yeah, remember what we talked about, okay? Matthew's going to kind of lead us on, but Jesus and the gang of what? They've left the upper room. They've crossed the Kidron Valley. Now, if you go to Israel today, there's not a bridge from the eastern gate over to the Mount of Olives. There's not a gate anymore. They have since locked the gates, and now there's a road underneath that. You can't get like Jesus did, but he would have walked over a gate through the Kidron Valley, okay, and he would have walked to the Mount of Olives. He brings the disciples, if you recall, okay, and he goes over to what we call the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, if you're taking note, means pressing or oil press, okay? That's what it means. It's just this huge, wonderful garden that you're going to see that just grows very fertile olives. It's, it's known as the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, there he is, and what happens is Judas, guess what? Judas comes back on the scene, okay, and he comes with a detachment of troops to arrest Jesus, now, again, this would be the law part of the text. The law part of the text is basically found in verses 1 through 11. You guys remember, Jesus was praying. All of a sudden, here comes Judas. Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek, right? Jesus says, hey, who are you guys looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. Guess what happened when he said, I am? They all fell down, right? And all of a sudden, they get back up, and he says, who are you looking for? Peter gets in the flesh and decides, I'm going to take care of, I'm going to handle this. So he takes a sword, and you guys know the story. Well, they end up arresting Jesus, and that would be the law. And now, today, guys, we're going to see the order part. We're going to see the trials of Jesus. Now you go, Ben, trials? Are you serious? Yeah, here's the thing. In order to understand the whole text, we need to do some work, okay? When it comes to Jesus' trial, there wasn't just one trial, innocent or guilty. If you're taking note, and I encourage you to do so, you need to jot this down. There were six trials altogether. There were six. You go, Jesus had six trials? He had six trials. Some of them were a mistrial. Some of them were not right. Some of them should have not taken place at night, but there were six. You go, what are they? Jot this down. Number one, we're going to see three religious trials, three religious trials, and three civil trials. That's what happened. You go, Ben, I never knew that. Well, the three religious trials are based like this. Jesus is going to be taken to Annas, first and foremost, first religious trial, okay? Annas is supposed to be the high priest based on what God said, but based upon Rome said, he's not really the high priest, although he's calling the shots. That's the first trial. Then he says, uh, okay, then at the second religious trial, he's going to be taken to Caiaphas. Caiaphas is his son-in-law, who is the high priest for that one year. After this, a group known as the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, Jesus is going to stand trial before them. Those are the three religious trials. The three civil trials, we know this based on the word of God. The first person Jesus is taken to is Pontius Pilate. That's the civil trial. Okay, Pontius Pilate is ruling there and with, you know, with Rome behind his back. And so he's going to, he's going, we're going to see that's the first civil trial. He says, okay, I don't know about this whole deal. This is kind of messed up. I'm not sure what he did wrong. He sends him over to Herod. He sends him over to Herod. Herod's like looking for him to do some crazy miracle. Doesn't find anything spectacular about Jesus. Sends him back to Pilate. And that's where we get the final, are you going to release Barabbas? Or are you going to release Jesus? So six trials. Now, we're not going to look at the six trials today. Okay, but you need to know where they are. The text reads like this. It starts off with the first religious trial, but within the story, another story evolves. 
Okay? He says, hey, we're going to talk about a trial. We're going to talk about the trial that, that Jesus has sent to Annas, but within the text of the beginning of the trial, another story happens. It's the story of Peter. It's the story of Peter. What Peter, what we learned today about Peter, guys, is very interesting. Um, what we could do is we could call it, this is what I've called it. I know you can write this down. I'm, I mean, I think it's pretty good. It's the missteps, missteps that lead to a downward fall. The missteps. You ever, you ever know what a misstep is? You know, it's kind of where you miss that little step. It's that, it's that ego. Well, no, explain it just a little bit more. Well, let me, the best way to illustrate it is, is something that actually happened to me. Two years ago when we were in Israel, okay, the bus took us up to the Mount of Olives. And once you get out of the bus, you can see, you can see basically all of, all of Jerusalem. It's so amazing. You can see the Eastern Gate. You can actually see the Dome of the Rock. I mean, you've guys seen pictures, but there it is. You're at the top. And when you're at the top, what happens, guys, is that we were there and it started to rain. And it's part of the rainy season, and that's no fun because it was cold and rainy, but we're still there, and we paid a lot of money to be there, and so there we are. And what happens is a lot of the people got back on the bus, but a few of us decided to trudge on in the rain with the raincoats, and you go, okay, what happened? Well, we started off in what is called, it's called the Palm Sunday Road. It's the Palm Sunday Road. It's where Jesus rode down, and it's a very steep hill that goes down to the Mount of Olives. Okay? We're on the Mount of Olives that goes down to the Garden of Gethsemane, excuse me. But it's very steep. Okay? You have to be so careful. And so my job there is helping Pastor Bill as I was going. I had to just make sure, okay, watch it. It's wet, but watch out here. Don't fall down because, I mean, it, you could have a huge tumble. Now, before it turns into pavement, which you still have to walk sort of like this, there's rocky areas, and, and they put down rocks, and it's not really smooth. There's a little bit up, so you have to be careful. If you have one misstep, you could fall. So here I am watching, okay, be careful, go down, we're going down, and, and we're learning, and we're trying to hear um, our, our tour guide and everything, and I'm making sure that nobody falls, and, 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 you, and, and the reason why is you got people video, and you got people taking pictures, you got to be careful, you have a misstep. You guys know what I'm talking about? So there we are, and, and so we're walking down, to all of a sudden, I hear this horrendous scream, and then a thud. Oh, no. I turn around quickly, and you could see people scurrying. It wasn't our tour group. It was another tour group from another part of the world. A lady had a misstep. She didn't see where she was going, and she fell face first right on the, on the stone. And we just turned around and all froze, and we prayed for her, and blood was coming out everywhere. She hurt herself pretty bad physically. It was a misstep. She wasn't, she wasn't careful. You guys know what I'm talking about. She was a downward fall, and we're like, oh, Lord Jesus, please help her. And I'm sure the rest of the trip was no fun after a bloody face. You go, Pastor, what does that, what does that have to do with, I mean, why are you telling me this story? Well, I tell you the story because I believe Peter... Peter's going to deny Jesus and suffer an emotional and spiritual consequences of denying the Lord. He's going to have that misstep. And instead of being careful, watch out, watch out, Peter says, listen, let me instruct. He, he instructs us of the missteps that you and I could watch so we don't make the same mistake. 
You see, the Bible says for you and I, guys, when we look in the Word, that we need to be careful. Then these things were written for our admonition, so we have to be so careful. These things were written. And you go, why? Well, let me give you a disclaimer, okay? I find it interesting that a lot of the stuff we read in here is very, very vivid, very candid, and very real. Wouldn't you agree? Why is that? And I'll tell you why. Because if I was writing my part of the Bible, I think I would leave out a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, it's I'd be like, ah, you know, I messed up. I wasn't obedient. I'm just going to leave that part out. <laughs> you know, they don't need to know that. Let's just focus on Jesus. But the Bible's real, and I'll tell you why it's real. We get to real. We get to read these things about Peter, right? And we get to mirror them to our own lives, guys, so that so so that we can grow. So that we can grow. And I think the message the Lord wants us today, guys, is that we can learn from Peter's that people can and will fail, and the Lord Jesus doesn't hold that against us. There's times when we're not obedient, there's times where we shouldn't be, and there's times when we walk into temptation. But the message I want to give to you is that that's okay. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly, and he doesn't hold that against us. He says, come back. And what he does, he does is what we've been trying to do as a church. We've been trying to love people back to life, and that's what he does with Peter. That's what he does with Peter. You've got to catch it, guys. You've got to catch it because there are so many things here. Okay? So first and foremost, we're going to jump into the first trial real quick, and then we're going to talk about Peter. You guys with me? Look at verse 12 of chapter 18. It says, Then a detachment of troops and the captain of the officers and the Jews arrested Jesus. Dun, 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 dun. They bound him. They led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was when Caiaphas, who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Your attention, please. Notice what we hear. First and foremost, it says, then a detachment of the troops. Guys, remember what that is? That is three to six hundred men. That's what a detachment means. Three, I mean, that is crazy. That is crazy. It says a captain of the troops. And then when you read officers of the Jews, he's talking about the Jewish officials. Okay? So it says a detachment of the troops come, and there is the captain, and there's, I mean, basically, you can, modern terms, it says the popo came and got Jesus. That's what happened. Okay? That's exactly it. A detachment of the troops. Now, what I find interesting is Peter. Do you remember what Peter does? Peter takes out a sword. Where he gets a sword, I have no idea because he's a fisherman. He pulls out a sword. I don't know if he really uses it. Maybe when we've been in heaven for a while, we go, hey, Pete, what were you, what were you thinking there, bro? Why? Because he doesn't take out, well, first of all, think about the numbers. One, uno, against 300. How's that going to go down? And then if you're going to try, like I know some people might, you're going to take out the biggest guy, right? You're going to go, no, he goes for the servant. He goes for the servants. You know, he, the servant of the high priest, he cuts off his ear. And Jesus is like, no, don't do that. Why? Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. So he puts back the ear on, right? So now Jesus is being what? He's being arrested. Where does he go? He goes to Annas first. He goes to Annas first. Now, listen to the way Warren Wearsby talks about this, Okay. They say they bound Jesus and led him to the house of Annas, which is not very far from where he was. Okay? Annas served as the high priest until he was disposed by the Romans. Now his son-in-law, Caiaphas, is the high priest. You go, so what's happening here? Okay, listen. 
Here's what's happening. The high priest, God had ordained early on, the high priest should come in and be the high priest for his whole life. So if Annas was the high priest, he should have been the high priest for his entire life. Rome comes in and muddies the waters basically in Judaism. They come in and go, no, we're going to put term limits on. I don't think you should be the high priest for the whole entire life. Let's go ahead and you pick somebody to be a high priest for one year. Well, Annas goes, well, I still need to call the shots. What's the best way to call the shots? I know. I'll appoint my son-in-law, because my son-in-law better do what I say. My son-in-law as the high priest. So you guys get the picture. Annas is still calling the shots. Caiaphas is kind of like, whatever, dad, I just love your daughter. That kind of thing. That kind of thing, okay? And so what happens is, so they go, okay, well, we got to follow the regiment. Who should we take him to? We're going to take him to Annas first, okay? Because he really is the high priest. Let's take him to Annas first. And then, what? And then Caiaphas will take him to him on the second uh, religious trial, the second religious trial, Okay, but notice what it says. It says, now Caiaphas, who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die. Do you remember he actually prophesied unknowing? He said, you know what this Jesus fella? It's better that one man die for the people than all the people die for the man. And the Bible says, listen, he is actually prophesying. This is the guy. Who is he? Annas is the high priest. Not technically because Rome made him, made it, made him said, no, we're going to do term limits. But he's, he's the son-in-law of Annas, Caiaphas actually did this. Okay, so what do we know? The first trial, there goes Jesus bound to Annas. Now, who's there? We know that Caiaphas is there because we'll see him later on in the story. Now, the thing is, is the story changes at this point. Okay, we can see the law and order part of it. Dun, dun, we get a rest. Now we go to the court, but then it changes. And to order, and to order, understand what's actually happened up until there's Jesus with Annas, we got to do some backtrack. We got to fill it in. And that's why I've asked you to turn over to Matthew's gospel. So Matthew's going to give us a little more detail. Matthew chapter 26, picking it up in verse 30. Okay. Hold your finger here because we're coming back to John, but let me show you something. Okay. It says this. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so Matthew's taking us back just a little bit. Then Jesus said to them, now he looks at his disciples and he says, quote, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Verse 32, but after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. You guys with me? You go, okay, so they come out, they sing a hymn, Jesus looks at the gang, and notice what he says. He says, all of you guys are going to be made to stumble tonight. He says, because of me. The scripture says, strike the shepherd, right? So he's telling the guys, listen, y'all are going to run, y'all are going to scatter, y'all are, you know, I get it. That's, that's what scripture says. Scripture says, I mean, you're not going to stand by me, I understand that. And then he says, but listen to me, listen. He said in verse 32, I want you to underline that, he says, but... But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. That's important, and I'm going to show you why in a minute. But notice Pete. Don't you love Pete? Peter answered Jesus and said, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Right? Now, at this point, we have a choice. We have a choice to applaud Peter. Peter, you got courage. Or we have a, we have a choice to go, Pete, what are you doing? 
What are you doing here? So let, let's go with the second one, okay? Because I want you to know with me Peter's very first misstep. Here's where he begins to trip. Here's his misstep to a downward fall. You go, what is it? He says, I will never be made to stumble. Now jot this down. Our first step, guys, it always happens here. Overconfidence in our own ability to stand. Overconfidence. It's also called pride. P-R-I-D-E. I've got this. That's what Peter's doing. Peter's not going, oh, with God's help, under the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. He goes, I will never be made to fall. Right? That's Peter. And I'm going, no, no, no. That's the first misstep, guys. He says, even if all y'all, that's if he was Texas, that he would say, even if all y'all fall, not me, because I'm mighty Pete. That's what he's saying. He's overconfident in who he is. And here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to see, guys. Our confidence as believers comes from the Lord, not us. Our strength comes from Jesus, not us. It's in our weakness that he is strong. That's where it comes from, right here. Pete, what is Pete? He's overconfident. As a matter of fact, Luke jots this down. Luke says, and Peter said, I'm ready to go to prison for you. I'm ready to die with you. That's what he told the Lord. That's what he told the Lord. It's pride. It's pride. And pride is always the first misstep before we fall. It's always pride. Overconfidence in who I am. Overconfidence in who I am. Pride. Now, I want you to note Jesus' response. Jesus responds lovingly in verse 34, and he says, And Jesus said to him, Pete, 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 assuredly I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Whoa! Right? Pete's like, I'll never, I'll die for you. These five words I say to you, you know what, I'm going to just, Pete, that's it. Right? And then and Jesus says, hey, Pete, listen, this is the reality. The reality is, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Okay, feel the weight of this, church. Feel the weight of this. What would you do if, what would you do if the Lord had spoke to you that way? Okay, feathers, you're going to deny me three times before. What are you going to do? I mean, I hope all of us would go, Lord, no, tell me how. Please forgive me. Show me, right? Here's what I want to show you something. Show you something in the scripture. We know that he's already prideful. Can I get an amen? He's overconfident in who he is. Love you, Pete. I'll talk to you in heaven. But right now, you're showing us that you're overconfident. But let me show you, okay? Jesus looked at him and he says, Assuredly, truly, truly, Pete, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. Pete's And notice verse 35. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said the disciples. And you go, Ben, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the first thing I want to pull out of there, guys, is how many times do we act like Peter? You go, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus speaks to our heart, and we in turn, instead of pressing into what he's saying, we actually become argumentative. You go, I don't think he's arguing. No, Jesus looked at him and he said, Pete, Pete, listen, I'm trying to get a hold of your heart. He says, you're going to deny me. And if the Lord, it hadn't happened yet. And so if the Lord looks at you and he says, hey, this is what I want to talk to you about. Here's some things I want to work on. Here's what I want to ask you. 
Do we still have a teachable spirit or do we have an argumentative spirit? A teachable goes, Lord, help me. How? I don't want to deny you. Show me. An argumentative spirit goes, hold on, Lord. Uh, Even if I have to die with you, I'm not going to deny you. Wait a minute. The God-man just told me that I was going to deny him, and I'm going to argue with God. I'm not going to deny him. Who's going to win that? Who's going to win that argument? <laughs> right, right, Ben. You're gonna you're gonna sin. No, I'm not. No, Ben. You're gonna be careful. You're gonna stumble. No, I won't, Lord. I've got this. The the application for us guys is to really search our heart and say, Lord, do I still have a teachable spirit? Do I have a te- or do I have an argumentative spirit? Now, here's the thing. There's a difference. If somebody comes and, and, and wants to confront you, somebody wants to confront you, okay, and they have an argumentative spirit, I understand that. But if somebody lovingly wants to teach you, wants to, wants to help you with your walk with God, okay, how is your response? Well, they don't know me. They don't know. I don't know what I've been through. I don't know why they're telling me this. That's how we get, guys. We get real argumentative. And I think Peter here, man, listen, look, at look. Jesus said, Pete, Pete, listen, before, right, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. I want you to go, what would you say at that point? Lord, Lord, how, Lord, I don't want to deny you. Tell me what to do. Tell me how, what I should do, Lord. I don't want to deny you. Peter right here is walking in the flesh and he's argumentative. So the point is, guys, how many times, guys, do we act like Peter? How many times do we act like Peter? We have to be so careful, church, with pride. Be so careful. Our confidence comes from the Lord, not in ourselves. Well, then Jesus goes on in verse 36, and Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, notice what he says. He says, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Devity. We know as James and John. Okay, so he took three. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And they said, and he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. You guys see that? Jesus goes and he says, Guys, I am really, I'm sorrowful. And would you guys pray with me? That's what the term means. Watch means pray. Would you pray? Would you pray with me, right? What does he say? He says, would you, would you stay and you pray with me? And then he went a little farther. Jesus fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Look at verse 40, very key. He came to the disciples, those three. He found them sleeping. Who was who the disciples? Peter, James, and John. But no, notice with me, who does Jesus address? Peter. Peter, I will die for you, Jesus, even if they're all made to stumble. Peter, he comes back and he finds them, right? And he looks at Peter and says, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? One hour? Pete, what's up, Pete? So if Peter's first misstep is overconfident in who he is, Note with me his second misstep. You go, what's that? It's lack of prayer in life during hard times. It's your lack of prayer. 
what do you mean? The Lord looks at, at Peter and, man, listen, I want you to think of context. What's going on? Upper room, I'm going to die. Judas runs off. The whole, everything, right? Everything's going to go down in about five minutes with a detachment of truth. And he says, Pete, could you just pray? Could you just pray? Things are really, I am, listen, when your friend comes to you and goes, I am so broken, can you pray for me? You don't fall asleep. So Peter is showing us, right? Peter's saying, Peter, could you do? And that's, that's another misstep. You go, what's that? It's lack of prayer. Lack of prayer. Listen, this is huge in our lives. Guys, a huge red flag in our lives is that when we become overconfident and the thing that we notice is that we have no prayer life anymore. We have no prayer life. No prayer life. Our zeal for prayer is gone. And you remember when you used to pray and you used to, used to, man, you would just continue to pray and you would seek God and you would not leave your prayer closet until you had peace. And I mean, that's, and, and so all of a sudden, the second downward step is when you go, oh, I, don't, I, I don't pray, I don't pray that much anymore. I used to. And I know life is really hard right now. What are you doing about when life's hard? Well, I'm, you know, I'm handling it, man. I'm, Pretty thick skin. Are you praying? Yeah, I pray. You know, I said, God, you know, whatever, if you want to help. I'm talking about praying. He said, could you not pray? So I think Peter's about to fall on his face, if you will, spiritually speaking, because his lack of prayer, his lack of prayer. So from verse 40 to verse 57, we don't have time to read, but I want you to jump to verse 57 of Matthew 26, Okay. Because we know that he's overconfident, and then it says, and those who laid hold of Jesus, all of this goes down. Peter's overconfident, he lack of prayer, all this goes down. He tries to cut off somebody's ear. It says, they led Jesus away to Caiaphas, the high priest, when, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Okay, So from 40 to 57, okay, this is the trial. We've got to go back because some things still happen to Peter. And so John's going to fill in the gap. He's going to fill in the gap. So say goodbye to Matthew, guys. Say goodbye to Matthew. Now, as you're saying goodbye to Matthew, I want to give you a special note. Chapter 27 of Matthew is the third religious trial where Jesus goes up against the Sanhedrin. So once we go over to John and we learn about the the other two religious trials, we'll have to come back to Matthew, not today, and then we'll talk about the Sanhedrin, okay? But right now, that's chapter 27. So let's go back and let's still follow. Let's still follow. We're going to pick it up in verse 15. Story is still about Simon Peter. Verse 15 of John 18 says, And Simon Peter followed, and so did another disciple. Where are they taking him? They're taking him to Annas. Okay, first trial. Now, the disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out, spoke to her, kept the door, and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, I am not. Now, one of the, now the servants and the officers made a fire of coals, stood there, for it was cold. And they, speaking of Peter, warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Wow, do you see what's going on here? Okay, so now within these verses, guys, we actually see two downward steps, two more. You go, what are they? Let me give you the first step 
Overconfidence, pride. Second step, lack of prayer. We're not praying. Let me give you the third one. Jot this down. The third misstep is actually found in verse 15. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus. You go, Ben, I don't see it. Well, let me just say this. John, the writer, is very gracious, isn't he? Because he's just saying that Simon followed. But if you jump over, and you don't have to just jot this down, in Luke's Gospel 22, verse 54, it says, Having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed. That's really what's going on. And you go, what happens? The third misstep, guys, to a downward fall is following Jesus at a distance. You guys tracking with me? It's where our walks begin to lag. We're followers, but only from a distance. We're followers, but only from a distance. We don't have the zeal we once had. Oh, people know you're Christian because you've got Jesus in your pocket, right? You got Jesus. Listen, I used to be on fire for God. I used to, oh man, you my prayer life. I loved it. I loved God. And I was just on fire. And then the world sort of seemed kind of flirty. And I started looking at the world and said, hey. And I took my Jesus and I put him in my pocket. I'm still a believer, but I've got him in my pocket. But I'm over here and I'm not really as... And that's the thing, guys. We're following Jesus, but we're not as fervent as we once were. We're following him at a distance. You go, well, Ben, in the context, Peter's following physically. I get that. But for us, spiritually, guess where it happens? We start following God, not the way we used to, but more from a distance. More from a distance. Oh, he's a part of your life. He's just not your life. You follow him at a distance. And that's, that's what Pete's doing. Listen, Pete, Pete, listen, Pete. You just said you would die for the guy. You just said you'd go to prison for the guy. And there you are, you know, hiding behind stuff. What are you doing? Uh, they're taking Jesus. I'm just kind of watching from over here. I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get busted. I don't want people to know I'm a Christian. He's following from a distance, guys. And that's a misstep. That's a misstep. The man that once said, I would die for you, now walks behind Jesus many yards away. The man who slept with Jesus, who who ate food with Jesus, who heard his teachings, who watched him do miracles. The man who watched him raise Lazarus from the grave is now walking at a distance. And I guess I don't have the answers, but I wonder how that happens. I wonder how that happens in our life. How do we, how could we be once on fire for the Lord and just extremely, I mean, just Jesus, Jesus now going, yeah, he's, he's a part of my life. I got, see, I'm a Christian. I got him right here. Okay. I'm going to put him back to, I don't want to offend anybody. And I think it's a misstep. And I think this is the time, guys, where we have to do a heart check. You go, what's that? Let me ask you a question. Okay. It's a hard question I had to ask myself. Do you have that fire for the Lord you once had? Do you have that fire for the Lord you once have? Or are you really following at a distance? You know, Ben, I thought this was going to be an inspirational message. Golly, well, this is stuff that we got to talk about because I want to give you the fourth misstep to a downward fall, okay? You go, what's that? Peter's following from a distance, but quite honestly, he should have fled. You go, what? I don't see that there. Listen, guys, I admire his courage. Peter, way to go. 
You know what? You love Jesus enough at least to follow from a distance, but quite honestly, based on the context of the story, Peter should have fled. Why? Because where Peter ended up was a place of temptation to deny Jesus. He would have not been tempted had he not followed. You go, what do you mean? Well, remember what Jesus told us. Jesus told them in Matthew 26, 32, I had you underline it. He said, but after I have been raised, you guys get that? He says, I'm gonna, I'll meet you in Galilee. Okay, that's what he told them. Okay. What did you hear? Did you hear, follow me at a distance? <laughs> he said, I'm, I'm in Galilee. That's what he should have done. And then, and here's the thing, right? He, Peter would have heard this. In John 8, 18.8, Jesus answers that I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That's what he said. Let, her, let him go. Let him go. Okay? One of our missteps, guys. Stay with me. Stay with me. When pride comes, I can do it. Pride. Overconfidence. And I'm not, a, I'm not praying like I used to. And I'm not walking like I used to. At a dis, I'm, I'm following Jesus at a distance. Guess what happens? The same thing that happened to Peter. Temptation comes in. And it's hard. It's hard to fight that temptation. What Peter should have did is go back to the beginning, right? Go to Galilee, wait there. And wait for the Lord to come. But he didn't. And he was led. And that's why we pray, lead us not into temptation, Lord. I don't, I, listen, I, 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 I want to be strong. I want to be a strong believer. But I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you. When temptation comes my way, boy, that's hard to fight. Specifically when I'm not following Jesus close and I'm not praying. And it, can I get an amen or just me? Can I get a witness? That's right. I mean, it, that, that's what it is. And guys, that's what will happen. That's what will happen. We'll fall into temptation. Why? Because if... Peter would have never denied Jesus had he not been at the high priest's house. John says, hey, I'm going. All right, John, let me know what's up. Text me, but I'm going I'm to head down to Galilee because that's where Jesus said he'd be. You guys, you guys tracking with that? And you go, well, what's the, what's the fifth one, right? What's the fifth one? Well, the fifth misstep, guys, we see. John knew, the high priest, went over and said, can Peter come in? Oh, sure. Peter comes in. The servant goes, hey, are you not one of his disciples? Are you? And he's going, I am not. First denial, right? So where do we see him? Notice, where do we see him, guys? It said, now the servant and the officers who had made a fire of coals, everybody say fire of coals, stood there, for it was cold, right? And they warmed themselves. And Peter stood there and warmed himself. Let me give you the fifth misstep, okay? The myth step to a downward fall. Peter stood and warmed himself with those who didn't love Jesus. He warmed himself into the enemy's camp. He's hanging out where he shouldn't be hanging out. You go, what's the application for us? Guys, listen, it's the same way. I'm overconfident, Okay, I don't have a prayer life. I've lost my prayer. I've lost that. I've lost my walk with God as I'm not as close. And I'm being tempted by, and I says, well, who am I hanging out with? Or who am I hanging out with, right? Because this is the last place you think Peter would be. Warming himself up. He shouldn't even be there. These are all unbelievers there, and there's Peter. 
Peter, you're not supposed to be there. Now, here's the point, guys. Be careful who you hang out with. Well, pastor, hold on. Am I not supposed to win my friends to Jesus? You're absolutely supposed to win your friends to Jesus, but be careful who you hang out with because more than likely they're going to influence you to unrighteousness than you will to righteousness. And all it takes is a little temptation. Hey, listen, we're coming over to your house. I'm bringing the beer. What do you think, bro? Oh, oh, hey. It's a lot more easy to go, listen, I'll just have one. And then you're tempted, and then the next thing you know, it gets out of hand. You know that old saying, right? Show me who your friends are, and I'll show you who you are. That's exactly what it is. Be careful, guys. Why? Because there's Pete, there's Pete warming himself up. So you've got to look at your life and go, okay, who am I allowing in my life that's causing me to stumble in my walk? And when you identify those people, you might have to put a boundary because they might be family. And you go, well, that's family. Okay, well, here's some boundaries. Listen, we're not going to kick it like we used to because I end up, I mean, listen, man, I, I love Jesus, so I'm, I can't do this. You understand me? But you're still family. I love you. I mean, you got to be careful, guys, because this is the fifth step, right? And it's the last step that actually what? That actually causes Peter to, well, he's already denied it once, but here he is. He's going to deny him two more times, two more times. Let me, let me do this real quick, okay? Let me do this. You got to feel the love of God here. You got to feel the love of God. And you go, why? Because I had you say a fire of coals. Do you guys see that? A fire of coals. I had you say that because that's, that's what Peter remembers last when he denied Jesus. That's the last thing he remembers, a fire of coals. Because he's going to deny him two more times and then he's going to walk out and whip bitter, weep bitterly, Okay? But when Jesus loves him back to life, what does he do? Over on the Sea of Galilee, and we'll see it, this is where Jesus makes a fire, but what does he do? It says he made a fire of coals. Peter goes, it's the Lord, and he comes all wet. And he sees the same fire of coals that where he once denied the Lord, he's now going to be restored. And I got to see God's heart there. And you go, what's the application? Can I give you a practical application that might help you in your life? For you in life, there might be certain things that are painful, certain restaurants that are painful, certain smells that are painful, certain whatever it might be. What I love about God is, is listen, like that might have been a painful time for your life, but remember, it's okay to go back to that place because you're a believer now and let God heal you from that. You see, because when Peter died, he didn't remember the fire of coals of denying Jesus. He remembered the fire of coals of being restored. There's a lot of things for us, guys, that would go, oh, no, I won't do that because that hurts. Oh, I won't go into that place because that person hurt me. Oh, I won't, I won't, I won't, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, whatever it might be. Like, like you had a really bad experience at a specific restaurant, and you said, I can't go there because that hurt. I remember we had such a big fight. But that wasn't me. That was, that was somebody, before I gave my life to the Lord, it's okay to go back there and say, Lord, I want healing from this because I don't want this to be an awful place that I remember as hurt. I want it to be a place that I remember as healed. As healed. Just remember that when you see the fire of coals. Just remember that. God's going to just say, hey, it's time to be healed. It's time to be healed. So back to our text. Be careful who you hang out with. 
Now, the scene goes back to the high priest in verse 19. It says, And the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered, I spoke to you open. I, I spoke openly to the world, as I always taught in the synagogues and the temple, where the Jews always met. And in secret, I've said nothing. He says, Listen, you know. And he says, Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me and what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, do not answer the high priest like that. And Jesus answered, and he says, if I, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, he says, why do you strike me? Now, I don't know where this dude is. I pray he got saved. But you just, you just, you just smack Jesus. For no, I mean, he's like, listen... I've told you, go, go ask. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or argumentative or anything. And he's like, don't talk to the high priest. Boom. I wonder if the angels were like, uh-uh. I wonder. But the point is, is that just blows me away that somebody would do that to Jesus. I just wonder. Don't answer the high priest like that. If I've spoken, if I've spoken... Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now it goes back to Simon. Now Simon Peter, where was he, guys? Verse 25, stood and warmed himself. Therefore, they said to him, are you not one of his disciples? Are you? What does Peter say, guys? No, I'm not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, I mean, whose ear Peter cut off. Could you imagine? Out of all the places, there it's one of the relatives. Hey, you cut off my cousin's ear. He was there. He was there, guys. And he says, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. In one of the Gospels, it actually says that Peter cursed. I did not, whatever he said. So what I want to do in the last couple of minutes, guys, is just, let's just, we're going to close here. We're going to fill in some blanks later on next week about the trial, because they should have never had a trial at night. But I just want to reiterate the five downward steps to a great fall, because right here, Peter just had a great fall, Right? And it starts with being overconfident in ourselves, guys, in our walk, being overconfident. I got this. I can do this. No, Lord, you're going to have to. Guys, every morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up. I want you to put on the full armor of God, like it says, and ask, Lord, Lord, fill me with your spirit because I can't do it without you. It was Martin Luther who said, okay, it was Martin Luther who said, I've got so much to do tomorrow. I've got to spend my first three hours in prayer, right? That's the first thing, overconfidence. Second thing is let's check our prayer life. Okay, lack of prayer and devotion in good times. Listen, when, when I'm using golf metaphor, if you hit a hole in one, you're like, praise the Lord, right? You pray all great. But if, you, if you're, you know, five over, then you're just like, ah, I hate this game. And you throw your clubs. The point is, is that no matter if you're good or bad, you're, you're what? You're praying. You pray on the mountaintops, guys, when things are so good and God is blessing you. Pray all the more. And you pray in the valleys. Third, the third is that we got to be careful that we're not following Jesus at a distance. 
Because, guys, we don't wake up in the morning and go, that's it, I'm going to follow Jesus a little bit less today. But it happens subtly. And we have all the good intentions, right? Oh, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to read, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do the one-year Bible, I'm going to, 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 and then all of a sudden you go, man, I just, you know, I sat down to eat tonight and I didn't even thank the Lord. Huh. And we begin to follow him at a distance. Number four, make sure we're not led into temptation. But we should flee immediately. Who was it? Who was it? Yeah, I was going to say, who was it that was caught in Potiphar? Potiphar's wife was like, hey, right? Joseph, you good-looking stud. Come over here. Let's have some, let's, let's, let's. And, and what did Joseph do? Joseph said, I'm out of here, man. I'm going to flee this thing. I'm going to flee this thing. Why? Because he didn't need to be tempted. Here's the question. Joseph could have easily slept with Potiphar's wife and not, nobody would have ever known. Potiphar's wife would have been, oh, amen, Joseph, you're awesome. But God would have known. And so we must flee, guys, we must flee immediately. Lead us not into temptation. Don't get in those places where you're tempted. Don't get in those places. Last but not least, guys, warming ourselves in the enemy's campfire. Let me just say this to you. Hanging out with the wrong people. Sometimes we got to do surgery today. Would you agree? we got to cut some people out of our lives because, man, they're not encouraging at all. Have you ever noticed that if you hang out with, with negative people, you become negative? You ever hang out? You ever notice? It's like you're like the most positive person, but if you hang out with a negative person, you're hating people by the end of the day too. And you can count on your finger. Everything they say is a negative thing. You're just like, what? Don't be careful with who you hang out. Listen, we need to reach people for Jesus. Amen. God will transform them, but be careful who you're kicking it with because they should be giving you life inside and encouragement. And they should be respectful on what you believe. And I never want to leave, guys, a Bible study without an opportunity to receive Christ. We're done with our Bible study, but I want to give you just a moment to receive Jesus. You go, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, maybe you came in today and you said, hey, Pastor, I came in, a friend invited me, or I'm here, but I've never really given my life to the Lord. I've, I know a little bit about him, but I've never surrendered completely to him. As a matter of fact, you're here today and you kind of feel like you're a million miles away from God. Let me tell you this. You may feel like you're a million miles away from God, but you're one decision away from coming back to him. You go, what's going to happen? One moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. See, it's not a work of what I said or anything I did. It's God's Holy Spirit inside you. And you go, what do I have to do? In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand. And by you lifting up your hand, you want to pray the prayer to receive Christ. And all we're going to do is love on you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I want you to make a commitment to Jesus. Because you're one decision from coming to him. You go, what's the exchange? The exchange is you give him your life, your mess-ups, your sin, and he's going to restore that, and he's going to put in his Holy Spirit, and he's going to give you a brand-new life following forward. But you have to do it. Nobody can make you do it. You go, what's the alternative? The alternative is that you walk out that door, and you can be separated from God for eternity.
So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, pray for me? Ben, pray for me. I, want to, I, w- I would love to surrender my life once and for all. I'm a sinner. I know Jesus died for me. I'm here, and I want to follow him. I want to completely give my life to him. I want to do that. If you're here today in our congregation and you've never given your life to Jesus, but you're feeling the tugging of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's where I come in. That's where I want to lead you in a prayer. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Nobody will see you. This is between you and God. Pastor, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart, that you're sincere and that you really want this. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, or even today, if you want to recommit your life to Jesus, to follow him for forever, would you just lift up your hand so we can pray for you? Just do that right now. Just lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just between you and God, nobody's watching. Listen to your heart within you. God is speaking to your heart right now, and he wants you to surrender once and for all. Lord, I thank you today for who you are. I thank you for your great love, and we honor you today. Thank you for your word, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.